It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Fulfillment isn't found with the old maps. It isn't made with the old tools. Using what we already know only leads to more of the same. Everything changes when we find something meaningful and mythological. That comes by challenging assumptions and by stepping out of our comfort zones. Hello, and thanks for tuning into another edition of the Time with Fred podcast. This is a podcast that challenges paradigms and mindsets that hold us back. That quote is attributed to my guest today, uh, Mr. Dieter Randolph, who joins us from Florida this morning. Dieter describes himself as a third-generation minister. He's a writer, he's a coach, he's an author, he's a teacher, and he's a podcaster. And his mission is to help find meaning and reach fulfillment in life. Dieter, welcome to the Time with Fred podcast today. Well, thank you so much. I'm really, really happy to be here. The pleasure is all mine. So let's jump right into it, right? Way past, okay, I have my own understanding of or interpretations of what I think that means, but talk to us about what, what that is. Well, I think that in so many different areas of life, whether it's a, a, a religious background or a societal thing, whether it's a work environment or a relationship situation, it could be something you got from school. And in fact, for most people, it's an overlap of a lot of those places. There is such great emphasis on, can you just get to the place where you're okay with it? Mm. And then, you know, are you functional? in your job. Nobody's supposed to be happy in their job. Are you functional? You know, there's a lot of people that are like, well, I'm not really happy in my marriage, but it's okay. We don't fight all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm not really happy with my church. I'm, my life is miserable and it's not really addressing it, but someday I can go to heaven. For example, I don't like this, but someday I can, you know, retire, get the raise, get the promotion, get the recognition, get the graduation. We are taught in so many different areas. And that belief is reinforced and reinforced and reinforced to just put up with are you all right? Are you acceptable? You know, and really, if you really squint at it a little bit, the real thing is, are you just miserable enough to where you don't ask any questions? Mm. Can you just put up with status quo? And I think that while there are a lot of people and uh, ministries and self-help modalities and healing, whatever you want to call it, that are designed to help you get to a place where you're okay and you can put up with it. I don't think that's really the answer. I mean, think about how many success books you find in the, the bookstore that are about, here's how to make yourself really miserable so you can make a few more dollars. You know, I mean, when you really think about it, there are so many things designed to help you cope. And I'm coming from a place where I say, well, what if your life isn't something you're supposed to cope with? What if you're supposed to flourish? And so instead of getting people to completely agree with my own belief system or whatever, I think that things can really change. If I can just get people to go, you know what? I want to be more than okay. I believe that I'm entitled to a world that works for everybody and one that works for me. And I want to do my part in that. If I can just encourage people to do that, I don't need them to agree with me. But I think that that can change the world. So the way past okay idea is at the cornerstone of everything I did. So how then with all these strings, right? Whether they're spiritual strings, emotional strings, you know, mental strings that have us bound, right, to some of these paradigms um, in your work that you do. Um, 
how then do we break away, uh, right, from from some of these things to find true meaning in life? I know that's what your your latest book is about, right? Uh, mm-hmm. How do we? How does one find true meaning in life? Because I, you talk to people, you know, you ask them how's how are you doing, and you hear, of course, like, oh, I'm maintaining so so, right? And so this has become part of the norm, right? We say yeah. because it sounds good, but why mm-hmm. can't like why can't I respond to you by saying, oh, I'm I'm thriving, right? I'm top yeah. of the world, and that takes some some level of effort, right? Yeah. But and it almost feels like you're 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 sort of bragging or, or it's it, it's not the norm because that's not what you hear. I mean, you hear it every now and then. But how do we break away from some of those paradigms, uh, Dieter? In, in your opinion? Well, I think again, just as you say, it's not easy because it goes against our training. We are trained to be dependent, just like I said a little bit ago. We are trained to be kind of average. How are you doing? The answer you're supposed to say is, "I'm fine." because it's a non-challenging answer. We're trained to not challenge. A much better answer is either I am thriving or even, you know what? I'm having a hard time right now. Mm. Those are both genuine answers. Mm. And I think they're Mm. both beautiful in their own way. Would that we create a world where we can say either or both of those things? Because the truth is at any given moment, there are areas in which I'm thriving and there are areas in which, you know what? I'm a little concerned. I'm working on some stuff because I'm here to grow. And man, I've got some growing places. I think we all do. Yes. There's stuff that I'm having a hard time with. And there's stuff that I'm just awesome about, love it, in, in love with, you know? We're not trained to do that because we're not trained to actually interact with each other. You know, one of my fav- favorite authors, uh, Fran Lebowitz, says the opposite of talking is not listening. The opposite of talking is waiting. Mm. And that's most people. Most people aren't really listening. They're just waiting for their turn. Yes. And we're just not trained for it. So the idea that, okay, well, how do I get there? If someone asks me that, as you just have, and the kind of people who are listening to what we're saying right now are asking those kinds of questions, I have to say, first of all, you've already done the hardest part because you have decided that you're worthy of an answer. And please understand with me that most people don't know that. You've done the hardest part, and that is that you've decided on more than misery. That's pretty great because that involves the fact that you have honored something true about yourself. You deserve more than misery. People say to me sometimes, because I will say, look, I believe in the inherent goodness of humanity, right? And people say, that's a weird thing to say, considering the fact that you're from the ministry. (laughs) Aren't you supposed to believe in original sin and all that? And what I would say about that kind of a concept is two things. First of all, if I were a carpenter, You would judge me by the quality of my work. If I make a bad cabinet, then I'm a bad carpenter. But if I make a good cabinet, it says something about who I am. Well, if you believe that God, for example, is good, then how do you justify the idea that God makes things that are flawed? Doesn't add up. But more than that, on a personal level, I can say, look, you know that you are good because bad stuff hurts. The fact that misery feels miserable says something about what you're made out of. Because if you were made out of misery, then misery would feel just about right. Because you'd have something in common with it. But the fact that miserable stuff hurts means that's not what you're made out of. There's a disconnect there and you feel that friction. Well, that's a good sign. In the the heart of someone who's grieving or, or feeling bad about themselves is the seed of something great. Because, wait a minute, this doesn't feel right. Think about that. That's really, really powerful. So I would say the first step is to acknowledge that, you know what? 
I want this to be better. I want to find some meaning. But beyond that, the way that we do it, boy, this is a long answer to a very straightforward question, but the way we do it is to find things that give you meaning. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Not everybody has to cure cancer or write a novel or, you know, go feed the homeless. Those are all beautiful things. Investigate your role in all of that. But that doesn't have to be what you're called here to do. Start where you start. Because look, I don't know how this is supposed to end this journey of your life. I don't know what the big deal goal is and neither do you. You don't have what you need to get to the finish line, but nothing ever ends really. You have what you need to start. So where you are right now, there is something that you do that when you do it, you lose track of time. It doesn't have to be a big thing. There's something that you do, whether it's, you know, when, when my favorite song comes on, I can dance to that and I don't care who's mm-hmm. watching. Mm-hmm. Or I go out in the garage and I try to paint a painting or in the middle of the night after all of my other responsibilities are handled, I try to write that book. Or I bake these chocolate chip cookies that are just crazy and, and nobody knows why they're so good. doesn't matter what it is. But there's something you do that when you do it, it doesn't matter if anybody understands. It doesn't matter if you make money doing it. It doesn't matter what time it is. When, you in, when you're in love with somebody, you'll stand out in the rain, you know, that kind of thing. There's something you do that you know it's right, just like you know when you know you're in love, just like you know you're alive. Give yourself to that, even if it seems like a silly thing. And what will happen is you will rewire your brain and your heart to find more and more of those moments. And all of a sudden, those big things that seemed out of reach, like curing cancer, like world peace, like whatever it is, speaking truth to power will become more and more within your realm of possibility. But like I said, start where you start. Here's what often trips us. uh, That was good, by the way, Dieter. Here's what (laughs) often trips us. us. So I'm called to bake that that cookie, right? I love (laughs) baking. And and then one day I I, I burn it. I I put too much sugar and it it turns out disastrous and I get a native comment and that that kills me. Or here is someone that, that I love that I've given my life to that I think is, 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 is it, right? The, the, you know, my knight in shining armor or queen of whatever. Uh-huh. Until that person does something to hurt me. And then, oh, sure. you know, I'm not going to love again. Or, or, or here is what I'm called to do. I'm called to be an, an athlete and I'm training and I sprain my ankle and I, and I get hurt. I'm like, oh, gosh, this must not be what I'm called to do. And all of these things, whatever those I don't call them failures, but whatever those setbacks are, right? We are, we're all going to run into them, right? The fact that you're called to be an author, I've read so many stories about authors who were rejected so many times, but they didn't stop. Sure. Um, what often trips a lot of folks, myself included, is that we try to do something or we think we're called to do something, but it, it doesn't take off the way we want to. Or we try one time and we fail, we run into obstacles and we put a nail in the coffin, so to speak, Dieter, and we're like, that's it. I knew what I wasn't called to, to do that. Right. I knew I wasn't good enough. And, and unfortunately, um, that's where a lot of people get stuck, right? But that persistence or that ability to build resilience and to keep going in spite of those failures um, is what this whole podcast is about, right? Challenging those paradigms and mindsets. How then does one, in spite of what they're called to do, they love it, they know they're called to do it, and they run into one piece of obstacle or setback, like, I'm done. And they quit right there. Well, I think that it's really important to remember that you are not here to deal with the byproducts. You are not 
in the feedback department. Mm. That's not what you're here for. You are here to be in the moment of creation. And like I said, I'm not judging what the creation is, whether it's a, a Rembrandt painting or a chocolate chip cookie, doesn't matter. You are here to be in the creative moment. Mm. The feedback, the payoff, positive or negative, is absolutely secondary. And the moment you start thinking about what's going to happen as a result, you've taken yourself out of the moment of creation and into an ego moment. And that short circuits the process. Mm -hmm. This is why you can be a great artist. But if you start thinking about what your critical reviews are going to be or how much you can sell that piece of art for, the art goes away. If you're in love with somebody and you start thinking about, well, what's in it for me? Mm -hmm. Or how are they going to respond to this? You take yourself out of the pure act of loving and into something that's more transactional. The creativity goes away. The purity goes away. What I say to people is, imagine you got a new job. And you go and they show you, here's where your desk is. And everything is laid out for you. You have everything you need in order to do this job. And you walk right past your desk and you go downstairs to the payroll department because you want to make sure they've got your address right. They, you want to make sure your paychecks come in, your insurance, your whatever, your social security, all that kind of stuff, your investment plan, whatever it is. You want to make sure that that payroll department is doing their job. And every single day you show up for work on time and you walk right past your desk and you go down to the payroll department <laughs> to make sure they're doing their job. Well, pretty soon you're going to get fired because you're not doing the thing that you got hired to do because you're not in the payroll department. Well, that's true of life. Your job is not how it's going to come out and positive or negative. Now, obviously we want to care about people. We want to pay attention to other people's feelings and stuff like that. That's not what I'm talking about, but People are going to feel all kinds of ways about what I do. As long as I do it with honor and a purity of heart, what's going to happen is what's going to happen. Ask yourself, can I do this thing I'm doing? Can I do it with honor? Okay, well, then you've done the thing you need to do and you can't worry about what's going to happen. It's so easy to get caught up in one particular manifestation of what I'm doing. And that, again, becomes an ego thing. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I wish I could get a new car. I'm praying about a new car and I'm reading all of my books about how to manifest a new car. And first of all, I would go, do you really think your relationship with life, the universe and everything, your connection with the divine is there so that you can have a new Buick? Is that really what this is all about? But I would say more than that, ask yourself, why do you want the car? Well, because I want to be able to drive around. Okay, well, why do you want to drive around? Well, because this and that. Start asking yourself why and why and why until you get back to that purity of, I just know. And you'll discover that maybe it's not the car. Maybe it's that I want to feel free. And as long as you work on freedom instead of on one particular, I want that red car, mm. you know, you start to become immune to setbacks because, okay, well, I guess that wasn't how it was supposed to happen. People go, I want this one person to pay attention to me. Well, I think just about everybody's got a story about how they finally were able to date that one person and didn't turn out so well. Because that's not your person. But you didn't really want that person. What you wanted is to not be alone. What you wanted was to love. And when you get into the purity of love itself, you will get out of the way of this is the person for me and start finding out that, oh, the right person was was right around the corner. I was just looking in the wrong direction. And when you think about it, that's the plot of every love story. You know, all of those romantic movies that we love to watch. Oh, I thought it was going to be that one person. It wasn't them. But finally, this terrible thing happened or this happy thing happened or a little bit of both. And I got out of the way and I realized, oh, it was that person who I thought was just my friend. And there she is. Well, everything's like that. 
You're not in the payroll department. You're not in the feedback department. You're not in the results department. You're in the cause department. Mm -hmm. So get in the place where you can be just in touch with cause. It doesn't matter if I'm a great basketball player. I just want to, I just want to throw the ball. That's all I want to do. Doesn't matter if, if, if I'm world renowned, I just, I have to paint whatever it is, find that thing about you and it won't matter how people take it. I love it. That, that, that is so good. That, that, that is so good either. And, and then you also have laid on top of all, all that is the, um, is a people piece, right? I, I don't want to do that because, you know, I, I'm going to risk this relationship or I'm going to do this because my friend or parent or family member or so-and-so uh, thinks is that. And so there is that fear of not doing what you're called to do because you don't want to disappoint someone. Or we have invited into our inner circle, as I like to call it. There are all these distractions, right? These negative voices who are experts, so to speak, <laughs> at, at what we think we should do, right? That we, we become so glued or we become so entrapped by, 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 by these forces, right? And so breaking away from that also becomes a problem because, you know, he, here is what, and that's why people put all the business out there in social media because they want the empathy, they want all those likes because that, gotta get that, those that likes. Gets, exactly, right? That gives them a sense of value. So we become so dependent mm-hmm. on some of these things that we risk losing relationships, right? Just because of that. And, and, right. and that's a social problem. It's, 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 I almost want to call it an existential problem, really. Because, For sure. Right. It absolutely is because we, we attribute so much of our identity to other people's validation, mm. to the things that we do. One of the things that I say when I work with people who are in a period of, of unknown is where do you get your you from? In other words, where do you get your sense of identity from? Mm. I've worked with people that identify with their jobs, for example, because we're kind of taught to. But what happens when you get fired or what happens if you win the lottery, you don't, or you get a promotion even. I've had uh, people in my life who became really, really sad because they retired. I identify with my job and now the job is gone. Who am I? I identify with my car. And now the car is gone because it got stolen or whatever. Mm. And now I don't know who I am. That is an existential death. And it is grieving just like a grieving of, of an actual death. You know, people don't know what to do. We are so taught to live on validation and to be acceptable to other people to the point where, just as you say, there's so much pressure to uphold the status quo. But you think about how many heroes, once again, spiritual and religious heroes, business heroes, innovators, artists, rebels, people that set people free, are the people who say, you know what, I don't care what other people think. This has got to happen. Or this other thing has got to stop happening. That is every hero, every innovator, every good person you ever heard of. And it's you in your best moments. So it's so funny that we're taught, we're not taught for that. We're taught to just kind of hold still and, and be validated. You know, when I, when I do weddings, when I go to weddings, it's very common that there's a part in the wedding where people read from Corinthians, you know, it's the thing that everybody's heard, you know, love is patient, love is kind, love endures all things. And and people here have heard that many, many times. It's in a lot of movies when you see a wedding in a movie, because it's a beautiful part of scripture. But if you don't really know that passage, it sounds like a recipe to be codependent because, okay, I guess I'm supposed to just endure everything you do. And there's lots of relationships where one person says to the other, you know, if you loved me more, you'd put up with my toxic behavior. That ain't love. Because there's a line in there that people often miss because it's towards the end of that passage. And by then people are thinking about what what flavor the cake is Mm going to be at the Mm -hmm. wedding reception. And that sentence is, 
Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rather love rejoices with the truth. Mm. In other words, if you love me, you're going to tell me the truth and you're going to insist upon my truth. You see, that's what we owe each other. We don't owe each other a fabrication of who we are. I don't owe you the ability to fit between your ears. I don't owe you the the ability to fit within your conception of the world and what's okay with your ego. I owe you my truth. And my truth might be challenging. But like I said before, can I do this thing with honor? Well, that might mean being really honest about who I am. And that might be challenging. But love is challenge. Love is truth. So ask yourself, you know what? If my relationship with this person is going to be shattered by me being who I am, then I have been lying to them. And what I owe you is my honesty, my profound soul honesty. Otherwise, they don't even know who I am. And that's not fair. And it's not the other person, even though it seems like, oh, they're going to, they're judging me. Well, they don't even know who you are because you haven't been honest with them. It's not their fault. They're being authentic. Even if they're being authentically mean, authentically racist, authentically you know, objectionable in any kind of way, if I'm fitting in with that because I don't speak up when they tell the inappropriate joke, let's say, or when they judge me and I let myself fit into their judgment, I'm the one who's lying. Not fair. And love tells the truth. That is such a powerful concept. And I love it. And this question of, of who are you? Um, Dieter, I, I have asked that um, in, in a number of settings. I've asked that in my book, uh, Believe There Become, and it's, I actually ask it, I ask, what defines you? And, and what comes to mind every time I, 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 I talk about this is, as you rightly said, we, we're, 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 we're judged or we feel validated by, by those external things. And I was listening to the news, and I've, I've shared the story before, some of our listeners may be familiar with it. Um, about this man who had lost his job. I think that this was maybe a couple of years back. I was actually driving to work and it was on NPR. And this man was um, responding to the reporter or the journalist saying that he, he felt so worthless mm-hmm. because he lost, because he's lost his job, because everything else that he's left for uh, was tied to that job. Sure. And so I, it was a sad, it was a sad, I mean, it, it struck a core because I, I, what immediately came to mind was if you're, if we become so attached to what we do, not downplaying it, you've gone to school, you've, you've, you're a lawyer, attorney, whatever, not, that's what I'm talking about. But if we allow who we are or what defines us to be so attached to those things, right? If, you, if you're saying you're, you're, you're defined by your job, the moment that job goes away, you're worthless. Yeah. If you're defined by the house that you live in, right? The beautiful house. I mean, with all these floods and fires, and I've heard so many horror stories. If life happens and that house is gone, you're worthless. Yeah. If you're defined or you by all those external things that, gosh, we, we become so attached to because we live in the world, right? The moment those things are gone, we're worthless, which is sad. And I make the argument that who you are should be your purpose in life. Right. So regardless of whether I have that car or not, regardless of whether I have that house, I'm not wishing that we lose any of those things. I understand that. But if we can change that paradigm and start defining ourselves based on a purpose rather than what we do, I think that's going to solve a lot of the problem. And you hear things, you know, you people ask, you know, first, you know, who, 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 well, what do you do? And, you know, people always respond based on their, their, their career, right? They yeah. become so conditioned 
to that. And I think that's, that's a very powerful point. And it goes to, it speaks to what you're talking about. How then do we start changing that thought process, right? By defining ourselves, not based on what I do, but based on who I am. Yeah. And that is the beautiful beginning of some really important relationships. Ask yourself, what's really true about you? You know, really, is that my identity that I'm a plumber or a doctor or a mechanic or whatever it is? That's the truth about me. Nothing wrong with having a job. I think there's honor in work, but it can't tell you who you are any more than the clothes you're wearing or the zip code that you live in or whatever it is. That can't tell you who you are. There is some internal part of yourself. And we're using big words like calling. And those words are very sacred to me, but that might be hard for some people to hear because maybe I don't know what that means. So let me say this, define yourself, not by what you have, but by what remains. Mm. Because I think every single person listening has some story about how they identified themselves with something. And yet something happened, whether it was a good thing, like a promotion or a bad thing, like a hurricane. And that thing you identified with went away. It's gone and you're still here. So I guess that wasn't it. That can't tell you who you are. And all of a sudden, you know, those are very sad times in a lot of ways. And I don't want to take that away from somebody. But on the other hand, I guess the universe just needed a more honest version of you. Define yourself by what remains. And when you think about all of the things that you've been through, what has been constant you know, and defining yourself by a job or by a possession becomes so crazy. You know, when I was a little kid, I really wanted a new bike for Christmas. I was convinced that if I had this bike, I'd be faster than the other kids in the neighborhood, that it would make me a cooler person, that it would just make me, you know, and I wanted that bike and I begged my parents and I prayed about it. And I asked Santa Claus for the bike. I did everything you could do. And I got that bike. And for about six months, it was the best thing in the world. But you know what? I don't even know where that bike is now. I have no idea. It's gone, long gone. And yet I'm still here. You know, lots of people have something that they thought was going to define them, and it just doesn't. And that's okay. Find what remains, what is unkillable, untakeawayable, irrevocable. And that's the truth about you. Man, that 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 hit that hit a nerve. That hit every <laughs> nerve in my body. Define yourself by what remains. Hmm. Here, there's someone watching right now or listening to us, and it <laughs> may, may, may be at a crossroads. They may not have even found themselves, or maybe up until now had defined themselves by that external thing, or maybe someone rethinking that value, rethinking their purpose, and doesn't even know where to start from. I know you have a book out there. I want to talk. To talk a little bit about the book, but I want you to speak uh, more importantly before we, we talk about the book out here. You, you talk to that person. I'm going to tell you what to say, but you, you speak to that person. You speak to that listener um, right now listening to you and just wanting to know where do I start or maybe I need to rethink some of these values or things that I thought were, were the end all be all. Um, why sure. don't you address them as we kind of wrap up here? Well, what I would say to that person is, first of all, the fact that you're listening, just like we said before, means that you've done the hard work already. You've made a decision. You're at the beginning of something really important. And so what I want you to do is get to a place where you can be grateful for, even if things don't feel very good right now, even if the path to get to this moment has been bumpy and has incredible curves and has taken you just forever to get here, here you are. This is a moment of, recovery. This is a moment of decision for you. 
you can decide that you're made out of something bigger. You can look back at all of the seeming failures of your life and realize that, you know what, stuff is gone, but I'm still here. And that means you have what it takes to take one more step, to take one more moment and be intentional about that moment, to find something that feeds your soul, that lifts you up instead of wears you out. There's something. Give yourself to that something, big or small, and you will find that you can start to gain momentum. You are worth recovery. You are worth healing. You are worth growth. And in fact, the world needs you. So be about it and go find some help because there are people cheering you on. Mm. And lastly, dear, where can they find your book? Okay. Um, the best place to find me is uh, if you go to my website, Way Past OK, that's W-A-Y-P-A-S-T-O-K-A-Y, waypastok.com. There's links to all of the books that I've written and my blog and recordings of my talks and just all kinds of great stuff. I'm also at Way Past OK on Instagram and Twitter. The best way to define yourself is by what remains. And if there's anything that stuck with me, with everything else, that's the one that I'm not going to forget today. I'm going to be thinking about <laughs> a lot. What remains after that? And to your listeners, what remains? What is that one thing that cannot be taken away after everything else is gone? Even after you're gone, what is the legacy that people are going to remember you for? That's it. Peter, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and challenging our paradigms here, challenging some of our mindsets to think beyond some of those external things. Uh, and to you, our listeners, we hope that you're finding some value out of this definitely check out um Peter's, uh, website waypastok.com check out his book and if this podcast has been uh impactful to you at all we ask that you leave us a review on itunes that definitely helps share it with someone maybe someone needs to listen to this and this may be what they need to hear to help their lives uh, to help them or to change their lives and again thank you again for coming Peter, and to you our listeners thank you for tuning in until next time stay well <laughs>